What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode number 43.0. Man, we've done a lot of these. Getting up there. Yeah, we are. 43 games we've covered. Special. But, uh, yeah, we are um, celebrating the Octoberness with Halloween. And as we do for the past three years, we play um, horror games in the month of October. Um, every time we've done one, it hasn't necessarily been bad. We did Resident Evil Remake on the GameCube last uh, last Halloween. Pretty good game. Yeah. Um, the other ones, uh, Siren Blood Curse and uh, Anna, not so much. Yeah, not not so much. I didn't mind Siren Blood Curse, but it was it was. I mean, yeah, you could say it was weird, but it was supposed to be weird. But it was far too confusing. Yeah, too disjointed. Yeah, to figure out um, what the hell was going on in that game. But uh, we are going to play through a game in the same vein as kind of like uh, Resident Evil. In fact, it's made by one of the uh, the head guys that's that shaped Resident Evil into what it is today. Uh, that is a man by the name of Shinji Mikami. Uh, he, after leaving Capcom, I guess, uh, went on to um, form his own company uh, called uh, Tango Gameworks. And uh, if you look up Tango Gameworks, they only have one game. That they've developed. <laughs> and that game is the game we are playing, which is The Evil Within. Um, also known as Psycho Breaker, I think. And no, Psycho, Psycho Break is what it's known in as in Japan. Everywhere else is The Evil Within. Which I actually like, Psycho Break. I like that, that name. So far, it seems to be an appropriate name. It does, actually. Um, so, uh, originally came out October of 2014. So almost a year ago, in fact, it came out October 14th of 2014. So, uh, almost a year, um, it's been out. Um, Matt history with the game. Uh, it's not a lot of history. Uh, as soon as I saw this game advertised and as soon as I knew what it was, I knew that I would be playing it at some point. Right. Uh, I didn't get it on launch. Uh, they, I don't know, a lot. it seemed like a lot of games were coming out at that time. And fairly quickly, a lot of those games also dropped in price. So yeah. I ended up picking up this game and the... Wolfenstein game? Uh-huh. Uh, at the same time for either 25 or 30 bucks each? Uh, yeah, I think I picked up uh, this game the same time you did, and it was $30. It was twenty nine ninety nine when I got it. Yeah, I think it was probably 30 for each. I grabbed both of them. Um, I played a little bit of Wolfenstein. I didn't touch any of this. Sort of thinking that it would be a good October game, whether we did it for 
Phoenix down or not. It was, you know, not, not a game I was going to pick up and play that, that day. I had a bunch of other games to get through. Yeah, that was during the height of, uh, of Dragon Age Inquisition, if you remember correctly. Yeah. Yep. That was, you know, that was about a month out from Dragon Age Inquisition and everybody had that on their minds. Yeah. So I, I was happy picking it up at 30. Uh, and I knew that again, I knew I was going to get to it, but I, I picked it up that day and haven't really touched it until about a week ago. Yeah. That was, uh, that's basically me. I picked it up the same time you did. I think I did start it. I think I played the first chapter, um, that week just to see how it was. Um, I don't remember when that sale happened. Um, but it was after the game had had been out for a while, and yeah, the too long. I, I feel like when it hit thirty, it was pretty. I was a little surprised at how quickly all these games seemed to hit thirty, but yeah, I wasn't going to complain. I was just going to go grab a copy. Yeah, that that was the biggest thing. Was um, I'd, I'd say it would probably maybe two months. I may I may have picked this up in like December or something like that, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do I'll do thirty bucks, you know. Um, Which is sort of in its own right, you know, it, it's hard to justify 60 bucks if you're not going to play it that day and really get heavily invested on day one. Well, yeah, that's that's the biggest thing, um, especially nowadays with, with games that come out is, you know, it, unless you're planning on – unless you're looking for that multiplayer experience with, with, with right. a lot of people or if you really, really enjoy the series and want to get that story, then – there is no real reason to pick that up at launch, especially now with us. Like, I think everybody who even listens to this show has got a backlog a mile long who are still playing games. You know, why, why buy a brand new game when you're already playing games you haven't even played and you've owned for a while? And just, you know, when, you, when you're done with your backlog, you can go to the new ones or the quote-unquote new ones, and they're cheaper. Yeah, if you're not playing it, until a year after you bought it, it doesn't really matter if you got it day one. Yeah. Paid sixty for it. Yeah. The thing to it. The Witcher Three prime example. This I, is an exact game that's good for that too. I mean, it's a single player game. It's not a. It's not one that's steeped in years of lore. You know, it's a, it's a standalone product, all single player. It's exactly the kind of game I would want to pay thirty bucks for. Yeah, it's one of those things where. It's it's almost like a red box movie rental. Where more than likely I was definitely not going to see this in theaters, um, and I probably wouldn't watch it. Period. But it looks interesting enough, and it's a dollar. Yeah, sure. And and then come to find out, it may be actually decent. Yeah, it doesn't have to be that good to be worth one dollar. Exactly. So I, you know, that one of the big things for me, especially like even with my history with the game, was that it got a lot of flack. Uh, when it came out, um, and it was mainly because of uh, frame rate issues. Uh, a lot of people got, you know, because uh, I think this game was announced. Jeez, it, it maybe 2012 might have been earlier than that, and it was kind of like, uh, is this game ever coming out? You know, I think it was announced about two years before. Before it was supposed to be released, let me look at this. I got the Wikipedia page up here. Usually, um, uh, the Evil Within began began development in late 2010 under the codename Project Zwei, 
Resident Evil creator Shinji Mikami served as the game's director, with development taking place in his studio. The studio was bought by the game's publisher, Bethesda Softworks, in 2010, shortly after the development began. Mikami said that he wanted to make a survival horror game that he believed that contemporary horror games relied more on action than survival. Uh, the game was announced in 2013. Okay, so it was a year. Uh, believing the tropes of survival horror had come predictable over time, the design deliberately attempts to make the player feel powerless by taking place in confined spaces, limiting ammunition, and presenting near-invincible enemies that promote running and hiding over engaging in combat. Um, well, there you go. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Um, Based on that, it sounds like it's the anti-Resident Evil 5. You know, when the the Resident Evil series broke towards a more action-oriented gameplay, here's the alternative. What if? Did Mikami do 5? I want to say no. Let me look here. Uh, Shinji Mikami... Uh, yeah, okay, let's see here. Resident Evil 4 is regarded as one of the most influential games of the 2000 decade. Um, Shinji Mikami touted the game as a GameCube exclusive in the interview. Uh, let's see here. After the success of Resident Evil 4, Mikami left Studio 4 and was transferred over to the originally established Clover Studio in 2004, uh, which employed an all-star lineup of Capcom development team. Uh, from the producer of Steel Battalion and Beautiful Joe to the Devil May Cry director. Um, Mikami supervises the development of God Hand, a beat-em-up comedy game that parodies American and Japanese pop culture, uh, which I played. Um, after the dissolution of Clover Studio, Mikami joined Seeds Incorporated, now known as Platinum Games, the newly founded man. He is, he's jumped all over the place. So, no, I don't think he did work on... Um, on Resident Evil Five, I think he stopped at four. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, maybe, maybe he, he, you know, he wanted to go back to some type of survival horrorish kind of thing. Well, I mean, in a nutshell, it does do that. Oh, it most certainly does. Far more old school survival horror than it is action horror. Yeah, this is this is about as close as you get to Resident Evil Four as you can. Um, I, th- I to me, I, I think I'd go as far as to say that this is a little bit more survival horrorish than than uh, Resident Evil Four was. Yeah, I mean, Four was certainly the one that started that that action oriented gameplay. Yeah, I mean, really, I to me again, we we've said this before, but Five was a really fun co op game. It was a really fun action game, not a horror game at all. In it, really, yeah. Um, and, and five and four, I think still had both elements. It was sort of more action oriented, but it also still had plenty of the horror elements. Yeah. The, the difference I feel here is the main protagonists Uh, for all intents and purposes. Leon Kennedy is a badass. Uh, and there's tense moments, but there's never really parts where you feel kind of helpless while in this game character. What's that? As a player or the character himself? Uh, a little bit of both, to be honest with you. I mean, uh, you know, Leon always had a gun with him, and he always has some way of getting out of a situation. While Sebastian, I mean, there's plenty of times I've played so far where I felt completely 
helpless and just had to run. Yep. Um, or sneak by a guy. So he has that option. While Leon, you know, you really couldn't, you could run away from guys, but I mean, you know. You could uh, also man up and punch him in the face. You can do that. Yeah. Take you about 20 minutes to kill a guy punching him. Um, so let's, uh, let's get into a little bit of the story here. In fact, I'll just go from the Wikipedia page. Uh, I won't get into plot spoiler details, but, um, for us at least, uh, the protagonist of the evil within is veteran police detective Sebastian Castellanos. I can't pronounce that. Castellanos. Uh, he is aided by his colleagues, uh, Julie Kidman and Joseph Oda in confronting the invincible apparition, Ruvik. I wonder if he has a cube. Maybe. Uh, while investigating the scene of a gruesome mass murder at Beacon Mental Hospital, Sebastian, Joseph, and Kidman encounter a maleficent and a powerful force after seeing the slaughter of his fellow officers by a man wearing a white hood covered in burn scars. Sebastian is ambushed and knocked unconscious. He awakes in a deranged world with Crimson City undergoing massive earthquakes. Unreal shifts in the terrain and hideous creatures called Haunted wandering the landscape. Very reminiscent of uh, Alone in the Dark there for a few minutes. It, it, yes, it was, actually. Um, I live-streamed a lot of this, and I even mentioned that while I was live-streaming. I was like, wow, this is a lot like Alone in the Dark's intro. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you play as a police detective for <laughs> Crimson City uh, Police Department. Uh, Crimson City spelled with a K, because why not? And um, he, along with his partner and a, another detective, um, begin... Uh, they're coming from another investigation, right? Yeah. Wasn't that what it was? They were doing an investigation, and they were going back to the station. Then they got a radio call saying that they need to go to this, go to this mental institution. Um, because something's, something's going on down there. And when they show up, they find all the cops dead and all the staff dead. And nobody knows what the hell's going on. Yeah. I didn't really expect it to expand from there out into the city. I didn't either. I mean, I, like I said, I, I've seen I, like I've seen this part before because I did play the first chapter. But I, truth be told, this is what I thought originally um, was that, like, just by looking at the trailers and looking at at, um, at you know just hearing people like reviews and stuff like that, the first thing that came to mind was, oh, well, th- this this is obviously taking place in his head. He's insane. That that's that was my first thought. Was that they, they, you know, it's totally, you know, spoiler alert for a movie that I'm about to mention. It's totally Shutter Island, which I guessed from the fucking trailers, because it's not that difficult. Um, but yeah, that's this, that's basically what I was thinking of. Was this is straight up, you know, he, he he's crazy. Come to find out, in the end, it's all happening in his mind, and he's just insane. Um. 
after playing more of it, I don't know if that's the case. But at the same time, I don't know what the case is. <laughs> I can't figure this out. Yeah. A lot of trippy shit going on. So he wakes up, um, and uh, much like in Tomb Raider fashion, if anybody's ever played the new Tomb Raider game, um, he's hung upside down, and he has to swing back and forth and hopefully grab a hold of a knife that is stabbed into another body that's hanging. And when he grabs a knife, he can cut himself down. Um, and he's doing this while a weird-looking butcher is cutting up humans and throwing the body parts in different places, like almost like he's getting ready to cook them. Also feels reminiscent of a recent game. Which game is that? I don't know. I don't know if it was Blood Dark Souls, maybe. They're kind of a weird butcher area in that game. Mm, maybe. If you if there was the butcher in Castlevania, Lords of Shadow. Mm, maybe that's what it was. Remember we fought him in the kitchen. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Um. There always seems to be a butcher in games like that. Yeah, like uh, Condemned, Criminal Origins had that. And uh, hell, there's a butcher in, uh, he's called The Butcher in Diablo. He's a, a boss. Um, but yeah, uh, so we have to sneak by this guy. That's the first thing we learn and is is how to sneak. And yeah, it's a, it, it, if you mess up. What's that now? And And how much you'll pay for it when you mess up. Yeah, uh, I messed up a bunch of times here because I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, and then finally somebody in the chat um, that was watching me play said, hey, there's something hanging on that hook. And I was like, oh, I didn't even realize that. Uh, and I picked up the keys and left. And the first chapter is basically him trying to get away from this guy. Uh, he starts chasing us with, of course, a chainsaw. Uh, and there's multiple, and it's, it's played off a lot like a tutorial. It feels like this entire chapter is kind of like a tutorial, basically setting up the craziness and also setting up, this is how you hide from people. This is how you sneak around people. Um, in fact, I don't even think, did, did we get a gun in this or did we get a gun in, after this chapter? I think it's after this chapter. We don't have one. At least while we're running away from this guy. Right. But there's multiple times where, I mean, we fall into, like, pools of fucking blood. There's bodies everywhere. I mean, it's it's a slaughterhouse. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. And it looks like it takes place in that insane asylum. Yeah, it seems like no matter where you are, it feels like kind of a dingy basement of a, an insane asylum. Yeah. It, that, yeah, no matter where we are, there's fucking bodies everywhere, blood splattering all the walls. Yeah, but it but the aesthetic is always the same. Like you said, it's like which is why I keep going back to I think Sebastian's insane. It is it, it, the the environments always go back to you're in some type of a mental institution. 
some kind of a hospital or it looks like a hospital setting. Um, even after we quote unquote make it out, um, he, he, you know, he makes it back to the lobby of the actual insane asylum. Um, and he finds, um, got Kidman, uh, uh, the female detective and, um, and the other beat cop that was with them. Uh, and he escapes, um, in an ambulance. Um, along with them is a doctor and, um, what appears to be a patient of his. And, um, we, 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 he mentions Oda, I think is his name. I can't remember. Uh, Joseph. He mentions Joseph, but they had to leave him. They're like, we need to get the hell out of here now because earthquakes are starting to happen and the city's like falling, crumbling apart and we need to get the hell out of here. At the same time, we have been seeing this hooded figure, um, with, with the burn marks on its, on his face and, this hooded figure looks like a ghost. It acts like a ghost. Uh, it looks almost transparent at times. Teleporting here and there. Yeah, it gets to teleport. It teleports all over the place and just kills guys randomly. Um, it shows up in the back of the ambulance while the doctor and his patient are, are talking to each other. The The patient seems like he's, he's he, he is obviously insane. Um and he starts, you know, I, at first I thought, I thought it was a woman at first, but then it, it's a guy, I guess. Um, and, uh, he starts freaking out and, um, Sebastian sitting in the front riding shotgun with the beat cop who's driving the, um, the ambulance. And all of a sudden the beat cop dies and he starts mutating he starts mutating but i mean he's he becomes completely unresponsive and he starts having these weird like i don't i don't know boils pus boils popping up on his face and all over his body and we don't know what the hell's going on sebastian looks in the rearview mirror and that hooded figure is just kind of floating in the back of the ambulance and you know since the cop was driving Oh, look, we go over a cliff. I'd like to know how anybody survives going over a cliff like that as well. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that was not like uh, a, a little four or five foot cliff. No, that was more like a 50 foot cliff. If not more. Um, so if Sebastian wakes up and we move into chapter two. When Sebastian wakes up, he climbs out of the um, out of the ambulance, and it's kind of like at the bottom of a of a wooded area. And uh, it's now night time, and this is where it starts to open up very slightly, um, and it's still kind of in a tutorial sense. They're they're still teaching us how to sneak. Now they're teaching us how to sneak attack. Sneak up on a guy and stab them in the head with your knife, even though he can't have his knife out all the time. Yeah, don't, you don't actually have a knife. It just appears when you need it. Yeah. I can't figure Maybe that out. It's just something, it's, 
It's a knife that uh, Ruvik would use. It's kind of appearing and disappearing. Right. So um, uh, we can sneak attack against guys. Uh, we also, I believe, get a gun here. Um, we get the uh, the revolver. Um, but he, he, it's kind of it's kind of uh, drove into our heads. Hey, use your gun when you really need to. It's you know sneaking and running away from people is a very viable option. Is what they is what they they kind of run that through your head. Yeah, I mean, even headshots are not terribly effective in this game. No, you can blow off half a person's head, and it is. I mean, they it's pretty fucking gruesome. <laughs> How, gruesome. Yeah, uh, I mean, you can blow off half of a of a thing's head. These guys, they're not zombies. Some of them look like zombies, but they look more like possessed people. Their eyes glow, uh, and they kind of shine out. Um, Dead lights. Reminds me of Stephen King. It actually reminds me of um, Ghostbusters 2 when Janosch has his eyes that turn into flashlights when he's walking down that hallway. He used to scare the living shit out of me when I was a kid. Oh man! Every time I get an email when we're recording, every fucking time. Um, but yeah, uh, so I can't tell you what these things are. It looks like they're getting possessed. Um, there's many times where we'll see what looks like a horde of cockroaches or some type of bug crawling around. Yeah, it's really weird. I was going to ask you about those because there's like there's. Parts where you've got like cockroaches just like swarming up and down and around the walls. Yeah. And then there's other parts in the game where it looks like there's just little red drops like bursting on the screen. Yeah. It doesn't look like it's in the environment. I don't know. I mean, are they both just part of his hallucinations? It could be. I, I, I maybe hopefully this will be explained. Because at this point, I don't know what's going on. I don't really know what's real anymore. Um, there's another thing that's introduced, I believe, here. It may be in Chapter 3. I can't remember. Um, mirrors? What now? The mirrors? Yeah, the mirrors. Um, yes. This mechanic, um, it kind of serves as a checkpoint. Um, there are checkpoints like standard checkpoints throughout the game but they're kind of spread out um but there are so one of the things is you're 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 gathering new weapons you're also gathering um this thing i i called it brain juice for a long time but they just call it green gel um and what you can do is when you pick up green gel you can find it in jars or you can kill an enemy and it will drop green gel sometimes which makes me wonder what it is. Is it like boiled down human bodies? I don't know. Maybe it's brain juice, like I said. Because it has the emblem of a brain, you know, whenever you whenever you hover over it. Yeah. But they call it green gel. I don't know what that is. But we use that to upgrade Sebastian. Uh, you can uh, use green gel. There are certain types of of green gel, like uh, big bottles of it, are worth a thousand points, and and smaller ones are worth like a hundred or three hundred or something like that. 
Uh, and these points is what you use to level up Sebastian's abilities, whether it be more uh, maximum health, uh, uh, more time he can run sprinting, uh, more more ammo, different types of ammo he can hold. He can upgrade his weapons using it. Um, and there's multiple things that you can do. So I thought that was a little strange also, given the way they visualize the upgrades. Yeah. How... So you get strapped into this chair. They pop down a little helmet onto you, and I don't, I don't know what to imagine. They're lobotomizing you, changing your brain. It looks like uh, the 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 thing that goes over your head. It looks like it's stabbing needles or pins into your head. Right. So, and that's what it looks like. But I don't see how. Where's the correlation between that and increasing your ammo capacity in a in a nine millimeter gun? I don't know. I mean, obviously that's. You know, it's, here's the upgrade room, and we're just going to make it look cool. It doesn't need to make sense, but... Or maybe it does make sense, and we just haven't figured it out yet. True. Maybe he's insane. Ah. If this game... All right, I'm going to put... The, I'm going to say it right here. If it turns out that, the, like, this entire thing is, like, he's actually a patient in a mental institution, and this is all happening in his mind, then that's a fucking cop-out, and it's going to piss me off. I've seen that before. Have you ever yeah. played a Silent Hill game? It's about 20 or 30 years too late for it, that the twist. Exactly. I don't want that as a twist. I mean that's that that's not a twist. That is that is what you came in expecting. You know, but <laughs> all roads kind of point to that for some reason. Um there's a few things that we'll get into but um I don't know what to think. But yes, yeah, it's, it's weird. Like he, so let me explain the actual the mirrors. So every once in a while, when you're in a level in a chapter, uh, you will come across a door that's playing that you can hear music in the in, in past the door. Um, in fact, I know the song. I just don't know what the name of the song is. In fact, I, I may try and find that song and put it in either the intro or the outro. Nice. Um, because I know that song, I've heard it before. Uh, it's like a classical song. Um, but when you go through that door, there's usually a mirror on the wall somewhere. And when you walk up to that mirror, you can focus on it and it starts to shatter and break. And this light fills up the, uh, the screen. And then Sebastian, uh, wakes up in a bed in what looks like either a hospital or a mental institution. And he can walk outside of the room and there is a nurse there and she is talking to him about multiple things. It's, it's weird. Um, there's always a newspaper. Every time you go there, there's always a newspaper you can pick up and and read like the headlines and stuff like that. And it kind of gives, I guess a little backstory. Um, but the nurse is there to save your progress. So it, it serves as kind of like a checkpoint. If you walk on past the nurse, that's where the lobotomy chair is that you strap in and you upgrade yourself. Um, which I should say every time you do upgrade it, it, the controller shakes and he, it acts like he's either like getting shocked or something's happening to him. Cause he, he's kind of like, Ugh! you know, like that and shakes. 
Yeah, yeah I'm with you. I definitely think they were physically messing around with his brain. Yeah. Some spikes and whatnot. Yeah. Um, in fact, the, the loading icon, the loading and saving icon is, is literally a lobotomy uh, pick that they used to shove into your eye. Um, and, it, and it's a pick going into a brain. And I'm like, huh, this is weird. So anybody, if anybody knows what I'm talking about, the um, the pick that looks like a hammer on the end where they used to shove it into your actual eye, not, not your eyeball, but in the side of your eye. And uh, that used to nick a little part of the brain right behind the eye and give you a lobotomy. That's what they used to do back in the twenties. <laughs> and they're like, we do, we don't know what to do with this guy. Give him a lobotomy. Yeah, just start destroying parts of his brain. Yeah, this will calm him down, ma'am. You won't have any more trouble out of him. Is it har- It's completely harmless. Yes. I mean, we're shoving a pick into his eyeball, but that's okay. <laughs> He'll be fine. Oh man, the things we used to do. Yeah, it's it's really creepy that that was a, a thing that happened in this country, not like in, not in horror, a horror movie, but in real life. Yeah, less than a hundred years ago. <laughs> oh man, that's creepy as shit. <laughs> well, and that that's why you know, and there's a lot of other creepy things to go along with that, like test. You know, you got to test those procedures out on people and. You know, there were points when prisoners would be taken and sort of forced lobotomies. Oh, yeah. And, Ele- uh, electroshock that, therapy. Yeah, that that's one of the reasons that, that that second season of American Horror Story is so creepy to me. Yeah. Is because you get into one of those situations and you don't have any control and the people who you would try to convince that you don't need this procedure... I'm not going to hear it. Yeah. So it's like, it doesn't matter how sane you are. You're getting this treatment and that's, that's, that's pretty scary. Yeah. You're just so helpless in that situation. Unless you're Sebastian and you choose to do it. Yeah. Hey, he sits down himself and says, well, I need some deeper pockets so I can carry more pistol ammo. So give me a lobotomy. (laughs) I don't know. Um, but I've been upgrading the shit out of them <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah, I finally have. Uh, but there's also another mechanic that I do want to talk about. So, so that, that's, that's the kind of the save, like you can save in between chapters. There's checkpoints that you can, that, that just pop up after you make a certain point in the chapter. But then there's also these kind of like midway points where you can go into the mirror, talk to the nurse, um, also, a little bit later on, you'll get keys, which you can then go to. Basically, what are those like? Um, the cadaver uh, racks. Yeah, cadaver lockers. Lockers. There you go. Um, and you can use it. You can. You'll find keys um, in kind of interesting ways, which we'll get into. Um, and that open these these cadaver lockers, and there's usually items inside. It could be green gel, it could be um, ammo, it, it, it could be things that will help you out. Um, and there's a ton of lockers, which means makes me think, man, there's a shit ton of keys out there. 
Um, yeah. So I like, uh, that, I like that that save area is changing a little bit over time, though. Yeah, it because is. You had to go through that whole process just to save every time. It was going to start getting real tedious, but you know, now now that they're it's becoming a bit more interesting, and there are some other things to do, like with these keys. So I, I like that almost that they're they're setting it up like here's just the save room and. That's what you think it's just the save room, and then eventually it'll be who knows what. Yeah, there's there's they're already hinting at it in chapter five. Yeah, um, I will probably shit myself if I have to see somebody like coming at me with a chainsaw when I get there, though, and I think I'm 100 percent safe. Yeah, you know those games like that. You know, here's the safe area, here's the dangerous area. Mm-hmm. You know, and in a game like this, that's sort of this intense and sort of psychological. There is, at least to me, uh, you know, a palpable sense of relief when you get into that mirror area. You're like, yeah. all right, I can walk around now for a couple of minutes. I'm not not going to get ambushed. That's that. That was one of the most brilliant things. The, the first game I remember fucking with me like that would be um, Crimson Butterfly, uh, Fatal Frame Two. Uh, I I distinctly remember like they had these little save lanterns. There was these little lanterns where you could save your game, and. Uh, there's one lantern in the game where you go up to it and you hit X to to bring up the menu to save and nothing happens. And I'm like, well, what the fuck's going on? All of a sudden, the lamp, instead of it being the normal blue, turns like an orange color and the fucking ghost comes right at you. And I was like, what the fuck was that? They're trying to fuck with me right now? You know, it was like, oh, this is a, this is a safe safe place you know i can i can save here no you can't yeah you know it, well, that, that. it's a question sort of related you know in, in so many games and even in this game and games like this that come out today you can sort of game the game a bit and be like oh i'm being chased by a bunch of enemies i could kill them or i could just walk into the next room and then when i go through this door those enemies cease to exist or cease to realize that i went through the door Okay. You know, often you can just go through a door and it, and it basically resets everything. Yeah. I wonder what the first game was where they would follow you through a door. Huh. I don't know. I don't know. In this game, they will follow you through doors, but then again, there are other areas where they won't. That's true. And, you know, I, I think when that's done right, when it's done well, it's effective. I mean, again, for the same idea that you get through the door, you think you're safe, but now all of a sudden the door's rattling in its frame and three seconds later they bust back through and you're like, shit, I'm not safe as I thought I was. Yeah. Running. I tell you, I, I have learned that trick, which I'm, I was going to talk about that mechanic, but uh, I have learned the trick where... You wait. They like to bunch up. The enemies do. They remind yep. me a lot of the Los Ganados from um, from Resident Evil Four. Uh, but they like to bunch up, and what they'll do is they'll, um, you know, they're all coming towards you like through a corridor, right? Well, I wait for them to all bunch up, and then I pull out my nice big shotgun, and I shoot just toward their kneecaps. And it knocks probably two of them down, maybe two more kind of like staggered. I walk up to the two guys that are on the ground, pull out a match, throw it on the ground. All four of them go up in flames. Yep. That is fucking great when you can do that. 
that is satisfying. That is um. So that is the the other mechanic we need to talk about, which is uh, the matches mechanic. So I think it's another way of trying to fuck with the player. Is that you don't know when a guy's dead or not. Um, you can shoot a guy like four times and he'll fall over and stop moving, but he may get back up in a few, like a minute or so. Uh, so to make sure that they are dead, you have to light them on fire with a match. Well, you can only carry so many matches and you can only find matches every once in a while. So you have to be selective on which bodies you want to burn. Now, if you're lucky, like I said, you can knock multiple guys down. If the guy is down, you can throw a match on them, even if they are starting to get back up. Um, and if they're close together, you light multiple bodies on fire. The thing is, and the thing that he tries to fuck with you is that, A, you don't know if that guy's dead or not. B, you just come across bodies laying on the ground. And it gives you, the place. Yeah, and you get the option of throwing a match down. Um which then you think, well, should I throw a match down? Maybe this guy's just dead. But there's been times where I didn't throw a match down, and guess what? I turn my back, they get up. So it's one of those things where I don't know what to do here. I don't have that many matches, you know? Yeah, I mean, the one little caveat to that is I don't think I've ever had somebody get up after they've dropped an item. That's true. So a lot of times that's what I look for first. And I didn't realize, I mean, I probably played the first three chapters where I would unload all my ammunition into a guy to kill him and then set him on fire. And there was absolutely no need to do that because I had killed him dead and uh, gotten my bullets or my whatever off of his body. Yeah. And But it still gave me the option, so I still was like, ah, I better do it just, just to be safe. Yeah. I think I've done that plenty of times too. But I, it's to a point now where I'm starting to learn the game a little bit. Like you said, if, if they drop ammo or if they drop green gel – that guy's not getting back up. Also, if you completely like blow the head off, they're not getting back up. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you can shoot like a, a half of their head off and they're still coming after you. But if that head's no longer there, they're not getting back up. Um, and I've kind of risked that. Truth be told, like the, the last, like chapter four and five, I kind of just ran by guys. Um, yeah. because they introduce an enemy. Uh, in chapter three, fuck those guys. Oh my God. So no, it's in chapter four where they introduce it. Um, which one? <laughs> the invisible fuckers. Oh yes. Oh my God. I hate those guys. So, um, uh, we'll, we'll get back to chapter three. I, I, I'm kind of skipping around cause I, truth be told, I don't want to do a, walk through of this one because I, I think it would get boring, but I just want to talk about highs and lows and then hold oh, this was cool and talk about the story. So in chapter four, um, what ends up happening is we run back into the doctor that was with that patient. Um, and he's trying to find the patient, the patient ran off and there's multiple times where we'll see the patient, but he's talking to himself and he's running away and we're like, Hey, stop, you know, and he keeps running. And we reach this, he calls it a hospice. Um, and he's like, my brother used to run this hospice. Let's go and see if we can find him. Now I'm like, well, that's kind of fucking convenient. But 
so we go. And also, you know, what are the odds that he's not dead? Let's be serious here. No, this is true. Uh, and also, his hospice is in a weird ass fucking village. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, but um, so we go inside, and this is also where we 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 get our first key to open up the cadaver lockers. Um, we see his brother there. The doctor's with us. Um, and, um, the doctor is cutting open this guy in a very mad way. Um, and when he turns around, obviously he is, he is, he's one of those weird zombie possessed people. And he comes after us and, um, kill him. And then we learn that if you if you look around, you, this is totally optional. You don't have to do this. But if you look around, you see that there's an X-ray of what looks like the the body laying on the on the yep. table, and there's keys inside the X-ray, basically inside his chest. So then we have to fucking get a scalpel or a fucking knife, cut open this. The guy, and we're doing this. Like you have to, you have to position the 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 knife correctly. You have to hit X for him to like pull it. Oh man! And then he reaches in and grabs a key. And then the fucking body jumps up off the fucking table and tries to grab you. And I'm like, it scared the living shit out of me because <laughs> I was not expecting it. Um, and then it just lays back down. I'm like, dude, are you gonna put like a bullet in that thing? That's <laughs> like, is it just tried to grab you? But it doesn't do it. It just it just did it for to scare you. That was it. Um, and there's like really fucked up things like that in this game. <laughs> um, and then we go through the 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 village itself, um, where the hospice was, and um, it's kind of like locked off by um a very large gate. That can be opened with a chain, but chain's too strong. I need to find a way to cut it. Yeah, chapter three. Yeah, chapter three. So that yeah, was that was before the hospice, actually. Yeah, it was on on your way to the hospice. Yeah. And so, um, we've been exploring this area. So this is chapter three was when the the game kind of opened up. It was like there's this here's this kind of semi big area, and you can just explore. Now there's ball, there's enemies running around and shit like that, but I mean you can sneak up behind them or handle them however you want to. And so um, I'm just sneaking around, finding guys, and, and I go into the barn, and huh. and uh, I hear obviously something's in there, uh, but there's a there's kind of like a big wall in the way, but you can hear somebody behind, and behind that wall grunting and 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 kind of yelling, and he's chained to something. And I, you know, I'm not an idiot. Those chains aren't going to last forever. So, um, I just kind of went past it, killed a bunch of guys, stuff like that. And, um, then I went to the, to the, to the gate itself and said, I need something to cut this chain with. So I went back to the barn and of course the guy breaks free from the chains. He also somehow obtains a chainsaw. And is now chasing us around this small village. Yeah, poor planning on whoever locked him up because 
if you actually shoot that wall and like disintegrate it, you'll see that he's chained up to like the two posts on either side of him. Uh huh. And the chainsaw is just sitting right in front of him. Huh. So I don't know who decided to chain him up and then, you know, leave that right in front of him so he can grab it as soon as he gets out. Poor planning. <laughs> so um, this is kind of like our first boss fight. And he's running around. And this dude, like, th- that's one of the things. In Resident Evil 4 um, and, and, and in games in general, when you come up against a boss like this, they're not this fucking fast. This right. dude, I mean, you can turn tail and hold the run button, and that dude is still right on your ass. Um, and it, it was from some ahead. of the other Resident Evils, like where your boss battles are. Here's a giant monstrous scary thing, and here's its four giant orange glowing weak spots. Yeah. So just you know, get the pattern, shoot the. You know, shoot the orange spots and then you win. Right. This battle feels a lot more dynamic. Now, in, in just because again he's on your ass, so it's it's less about finding patterns and just fucking having a mad scramble to survive and get your shots in while you can. You can do some pre planning, but yeah, it feels like there it's it's not there, there's nothing you're really supposed to do to kill him. Yeah, you just got to beat him. Yeah. Uh, what you can do, and if you did a little bit of exploring, you can lure him into one of the the, the buildings where they have the, the levers that you can pull, and it shoots those stakes down, like the trap. Yeah, I, I, I saw that building, and I saw those traps. Uh-huh. I just, he was so fast, I can't imagine how I would run in there, get around the corner, get over to the lever, pull it, and then have the trap activate and have him still be like 14 steps behind me. I somehow did it. Um, They didn't kill him. It did a lot of damage to him. and I I think I finished him off with a couple of shotgun blasts. Um, But there's there's an interesting thing in this this game, Um, and it's unlike all the other weapons. So you get a pistol and a shotgun. And grenades. And this thing called the Agony Crossbow. <laughs> um, and the Agony Crossbow is very interesting because it serves as kind of like a multi-tool um, where you can load up different types of arrows into it. Um, and the three arrows that I've ran into so far, there may be more. I don't know. Um, Wait, it... it- in chapter three or so far through chapter five? Chapter three. Okay, yeah, because I found at least two or three more types after the ones you get up to chapter three. Oh, really? Well, I'm going to name the ones that I know. I know of the exploding ones. You can shoot a guy and it goes and it blows up. And, and they it, are leaf looking if you see them in the environment. What now? All, all the spikes on those things. Oh, yeah. They're crazy looking when you see them in the environment. It's crazy like shrapnel. I mean, it's, it's basically like makeshift bombs that he's making. Because what you can do is there's traps around too, like tripwire traps and uh, proximity mine traps. And you can disarm those and you can use the trap parts to create more like agony crossbow bolts. Um, but there's the exploding one. 
which serves as both a trap or just a exploding kind of like grenade launcher almost. Uh, you can shoot a guy and it explodes within like probably two seconds, or you can shoot it at a wall and have it stick in. And when they walk by it, it explodes. Yeah. That, that's what I did for the chainsaw boss. Yeah. I laid a nice little path of three of them. So as soon as he busted that wall and came at me, he had to get hit by all three before he even got to the end of the barn. Right. So planning is, is kind of needed. Um, there is also another arrow, which is like a blinding arrow. You can shoot it at a guy. It does, I think it does a little bit of damage. I don't think it does a lot. Um, but it does damage, but it, it shoots out this really bright light and it blinds everybody. And when people are blind, you can just walk up to them and stealth attack them. So you don't have to be sneaking up behind them. When they oh. can't, you know, when they can't see, you can just walk up to them and stab them in the head. So you can blind like a group of them. Say there's four in a group. You can blind all those. You can probably take out two of them with stealth attacks, and then the other two are still kind of disoriented, and you can kind of get away from them if you need to. And then the the other uh, arrow that I have is like the harpoon, which is like this really huge, just regular ass bolt, but it knocks a guy down, guaranteed. Hmm. Yeah, I've also found uh, lightning bolts. Oh, really? And freeze bolts. Really? Yeah. I have not used either of them yet. I've been saving them up for a rainy day boss battle where I'm out of ammo. So I'm basically, as I'm playing this game, I'm sort of, I'm using up all my pistol shots. I'm using my shotgun shells whenever I need them. And all of these like specialty bolts for the agony crossbow, I'm saving for boss battles. You don't need to. You can create them. Yeah. Dude, you kidding me? The Agony Crossbow, besides the pistol, because I'm I'm actually upgrading the pistol, because for some reason I'm thinking, if anything, I will find a decent amount of pistol ammo. Um, so I'm upgrading the pistol to make it have more damage and faster reload speed, stuff like that. But the Agony Crossbow is getting a shit ton, because when I run out of pistol ammo, I'm just, all right, it's time to bring up the crossbow and you know, easy, you know, if I'm, if I'm about to go into a room where I think there's a lot of guys, I will bring up the little brain menu and just make, because I, I disarm every trap, you know, so when I disarm every trap, I'm getting trap parts that I can use to make bolts with. And, you know, when you find a bolt, you, you have the, the kind of like the schematic to make that bolt again. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm doing now. I think early in the game, I was spending a lot of time with the traps luring enemies into them. Yeah. Instead of harvesting them. So I didn't have quite as many parts built up. And then and then I used everything that I had built up on that Chapter 3 boss. So I am probably acquiring them at a better rate now. But just to be safe, I wanted to have a nice stock. Although, to be fair, you can't really build up a good stock of these... Uh, like the explosive bolts and the freeze bolts. You're only allowed to have like two or three. But you can upgrade it, how much you can hold. Yeah, maybe I'll upgrade that eventually, but I, I need some life and I need some some shotgun and some pistol upgrades first. Yeah, that's true. I haven't touched the shotgun upgrades. I mean, it does the job. Shotgun is basically my crowd control. When I got like four guys, I'm going to shoot them in the kneecaps and knock them down. Um, I'm not using the shotgun to actually kill people. Um, that is for my agony crossbow to do. 
Nice. So yeah, dude. I mean, when you get that explosion one, it's a double-edged sword. When you you know with the explosion bolts, you shoot a guy, but then for some fuck every time I shoot a guy with that bolt, it takes about two or three seconds for it to explode. And when I shoot him, he automatically just starts booking it toward me, and it blows me up too. And I'm like, son of a bitch. There's been so many times. I swear to God, there was there was a, so there's there's treasure chests in this game, and mo- I think every one of them is trapped, <laughs> um, but they can be booby trapped, and you have to open them slowly. And it's not like they use the stick to do it. You have to push a button down slowly, which is almost literally impossible. And I swear to God, I've gotten blown up by treasure chests so many fucking times. Just because, and I'm I'm trying to open it as slowly as I fucking can, but it's not working. So you don't, you can also only open them part way. So as you're opening them, you'll hear a tiny click, and uh-huh. then just let go with a button, and it'll shut, and it'll be disarmed. Oh, is that how it works? Yeah, because I I actually have not been blown up once by the by the chests yet. See, I, I've been opening them halfway, and I'm like, okay, do I have to hold it here until he disarms it, or what? Yeah, it, you just have to open it enough and then let it drop shut again. Okay, got it. And it'll automatically be disarmed. You don't have to actually go through like a, a progress bar or any mini game or anything. All right. So uh, so we, we kill the chainsaw guy. We get the chainsaw and cut cut the, the chain. And then he just drops the chainsaw. I'm like, dude, you got a fucking chainsaw, you know? A chainsaw. You won't you won't you won't miss with a chainsaw if a guy all these guys are running up to you. All you gotta do is just hold it out in front of you. They're dead. But he's an idiot. Sebastian's an idiot. So uh, going into chapter four, uh, that's the hospice and stuff like that. We get separated from the doctor, and um, chapter four. Chapter four is kind of interesting. Um, this is when we get into the psychological stuff where I don't know what's real and what's not. So there's multiple times in this chapter where the screen will kind of flash for a second and then it does this weird like slow-mo haziness thing where if you move the camera, it, it kind of shifts really fast. Yeah, it's almost like you have a concussion or something. Yeah, and then something changes. There's like a there's a glitch in the matrix or some shit. So like you you'll walk through a door and then it'll flash, and when you turn the camera around, that door is no longer there that you just walked through. So there's always something that changes when this happens. Um, and this happens multiple times, even in chapter five. Um. And we start running into a few things. First thing is we run into this spider-looking woman thing. Which you, I, I know you said Laura. I mean, are we sure that's her name? Mm, I read something that said that was her name. I read something that mentioned Laura, but I didn't know it was what we were fighting. So we run into her, and uh, we run away from that one. Uh, and then we also run into the the hooded guy um, while we're running away from shit. 
and we had to run back away from him. So we're going down like a big flight of stairs and we run into him and he starts walking and teleporting up the stairs. So we have to run back the way we came. There's been multiple times in this game where you, you, you go somewhere and then run away and then something changes. And I'm like, well, how did that happen? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, you wouldn't intuitively think to run back that way. Cause you're like, I've already been there. There's no way to escape. Yeah. And then all of a sudden there is. Yeah. Maybe we're looking at this as a video game when I think we need to look at it like, I don't know, a psychological thriller. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, chapter two is kind of hu- f- f- like fuzzy for me because I did it yesterday afternoon and I can't remember it. Chapter uh, what? Chapter four. Yeah. We run back into the doctor. We find the kid, the patient. Um, I remember we go down these stairs. Ah, fuck, I can't remember. We go downstairs and then we lose them because we, we have another one of those flashes. And then when we turn around, they're gone and we're, we're staring down a open hallway that, that it's like a forever hallway. One of those never ending hallways. Yeah. We keep walking. Then we start getting chased by hooded guy and spider chick. And we don't know where the fuck we are, but I think we start falling. Yeah. It was the, um, the stairwell that he was chasing us on the stairwell just starts falling and we start falling and we're falling down. And then all of a sudden it like, it's weird. It, it transitions into we're falling sideways into back into a mental hospital, back into a mental hospital. So it's almost like a dream right there. Yeah. The way that like you open a door of your apartment and you know, you're all of a sudden you're like in a city somewhere else and you know, things just started like, all merged together and don't really make sense. But what's, but the cra- the craziest thing about that scene was we were falling like we were falling down to earth. And then it, it somehow it transitions to where we're actually falling sideways. And he actually lands onto like, he lands into a wall and he's standing on his feet again. And that's how the, that's how the fucking chapter ends. I was like, what the fuck just happened? That so we were falling to our death, and then all of a sudden he's he's actually just falling sideways and hit a, hit a wall. And I was like, well, and that th- that's that's the reason why I'm, it's, it keeps it keeps pointing in that direction that he's actually the crazy one. I really hope they do something with this because it, it's hard to tell if it's if it's intentionally ambiguous now. You know, I, they're they're doing a lot of a lot of things like that that are sort of just question marks, and you know when you wrap that in together with the mirrors and all these other things, like yeah, there there are so many of those hints, and I, I want to hope that this game takes the time to not just do everything like a, a one note answer to to every question. Yeah, well, I guess we'll find out. It's hard for me to tell based on the other elements of the game if, if that's what's going to happen. I don't know. Chapter 5, we run into our buddies again. Uh, in relatively fast fashion, um, we, we're, we're still running into invisible guys. Fuck those guys. 
that was that was the one thing was that um it turned into when we found the kid it was me and the doctor we went into that room before we started falling and and then fall, fell sideways and when we turned around like what happened was we found the kid and Sebastian hears something and he turns around and he sees a door open but nothing comes through it yeah and he's like something's here and then all of a sudden, like you see, sometimes you'll see footsteps, you know, if there's water there or something. But a lot of times, and, and the thing is, normally when you fight an invisible enemy in any type of video game, you normally see like a, for lack of a better term, a a, a cloaked. Yeah, like a distortion. Yeah, a silhouette of somebody. I always this, call it the predator. The like you can always see the predator when he's camouflaged. Yeah. yeah, the predator. Or, you know what, Solid Snake when he's using the stealth camo. Um, But this game, they don't do that. They do it for like a second, and that's whenever it's about to jump on you. And then it, and like the one thing that gets me is that you shoot it, right? Pull out a shotgun. You shoot it. It shows up for one second. Yeah. While it's still staggering, it goes back invisible. I'm like, what the fuck? And these things are fast too. Yeah, before you can get another shot off. Yeah, and, then, and like I shoot, and I like I obviously didn't hit it because there's no blood or anything. I'm and now it's bes- beside me, and I, oh my god, man, these things, fuck these guys, and they're weird looking. They like they have these like weird Cthulhu looking fucking faces, and when they grab a hold of you, they try and like suck your face off with their face. God, Mikami's got a fucked up brain, man. <sighs> but yeah, so we're dealing with invisible guys going through what looks like another fucking hospital. But in chapter five, something different happens. Um, we run into a Joseph. Uh, Joseph is being, I don't know what's happening to him. He, he's in a bathtub full of some kind of like off white crap and we get him out and he's like, what, what's going on? And he's like, did you, did you bring me here? Like he, he, I, I distinctly remember him saying that yeah. he asked, he asked Sebastian, did you bring me here? Um, and then, you know, shit starts happening. So we stopped that conversation. Um, and, uh, luckily he's, he's not, incompetent he has a gun and he kind of knows how to use it kudos to him um and he's 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 kind of like following us around uh and we can heal him and it doesn't take any healing items yeah i like that yeah um, like uh you know i'm glad you can use that gun but you know aim for the head yeah you want, you want some more <laughs> but uh so he um he's following us around uh and when we continue on uh a the loud sound that Sebastian keeps hearing that ringing sound that makes him go a little crazy every once in a while. It's also affecting Joseph and, uh, it go, it rings again. And when Sebastian turns around, he sees that Joseph is actually behind him and he has that, those, those boils on his face, like, uh, the, the beat cop did. Mm-hmm. And he's, he, he turns kind of evil and starts trying to choke Sebastian and Sebastian pushes him off of him and his face turns normal again. 
and he's he's like bleeding down it like his nose is bleeding and stuff and he's like I don't know what came over me. It's like I don't I don't I don't I didn't mean to do that. And yeah, and so we 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 continue on. Um, so one of the interesting things, you know, when when those when those waves come at him, yeah, it's kind of like a it's like a a white wave. I don't know, like the, the, as it travels down the wall, it's got like a white outline, right? And it one one of the points when we went back through the mirror, um. I f- we found the little boy uh-huh. patient, yeah, and he was like emanating those white waves himself. Yeah. So I've been under the impression that it was Ruvik that was the cause of these waves, but then you've also got this boy that's giving them up. Uh huh. Maybe he's the only one giving them up. I don't know. So here's what happens in chapter five, which you kind of hinted at. Um, we run into multiple mirrors that we can go through, uh, kind of in succession. And the weird thing is, is that every time we have went through a mirror, we have woke up in a bed in a cell, and then we walk out of the cell, then we go to the main little lobby area and talk to the nurse. This one, it's in black and white, and we actually show up in the hallway rather than in our bed. Um, and the nurse is actually walking around, which she normally doesn't do. And she runs off. Uh, and we can't do anything. We can upgrade, but we can't go through a mirror. Um, and so we start walking back down the hallway, which leads to absolutely nothing. And you can hear, uh, that, that kid, what the hell's the kid's name? You remember Leslie? Is that it? Yes. Yeah, Leslie. We can hear Leslie saying, not this way, not this way. But then when we get to the end of the hallway, we see him kind of hunched over, um, holding his head. And like you said, those weird waves that kept hitting us is actually emanating from him. And when he turns around, we get a, a nice shock, and then we're back out. In, but it, this happens in, like multiple times that we come, we go through the mirror. So I'm like, I don't need to save this many times, but, um, you know, go through the mirror and something's a little different. And then we go through the mirror again. Something's even more different. And that last time, that's when we run into the kid. Um, yeah, there's a way that the game is going to say, you know, it's going to do that this, the same way every time, just to the point when you're like, all right, this is starting to get a little boring or pointless and then they start changing up and playing with us the, the player as opposed to just the character yeah so um after that uh we continue on through what looks like the mental institution again um and we eventually come to where uh this is kind of like an open room where um there's a tank in the middle of the room and it's being filled with like this green liquid. Yeah. Not quite as bright as the brain juice, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not brain juice. It's just, it's just like, it, maybe it's piss. I don't know. <laughs> um, and, uh, the, um, uh, the woman, the female detective, um, fuck, what's her name? Julie Kidman. 
Kidman. That's it. I keep calling Nicole Kidman. Um, but yeah, Kidman is there. She's inside the tank and it's slowly filling up. Um, and that this, it's not necessarily a boss fight, but it's kind of like a big standoff. Bunch of guys start coming in, including guys with dynamite, um, who will try and run up to you and explode you. Uh, so it's, it's Joseph and, and Sebastian trying to hold these guys off, kill a bunch of them. And now we got to figure out a way to get her out of that tank. Um, so Sebastian has to kind of go around and find the control panel. Um, which <laughs> you, I, they threw a bunch of enemies at me, but you got a timer because it shows like how much water's being filled. Mm-hmm. And I just ran by those guys. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, turn the dials, she releases, um, and while Sebastian is still up on that platform where the control panel is, the floor, I don't know what happened here. It looked like somebody was using a laser and shooting the floor and then the floor collapsed and they fell through. Do you remember that? Yeah. We just did this like an hour ago. Yeah, I saw that same thing, and because all you see is sort of like the the lines appearing on the floor, and then the floor gives way. Yeah. So my first impression was that it was the equivalent of some sort of like ritual. You know, I don't know in movies where somebody draws like a pentagram on the floor. Yeah, that's, they, yeah. It, lo- it looks like you know in Doom, you know, the, like you see those the 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 bright like lights that are a pentagram and stuff like that. It's what it looked like. I mean, it, it wasn't a pentagram, but it was something, it looked like some kind of a symbol. Yeah. Um, I think it was just a square where all the edges kept going. Yeah. It kept extending out. In fact, I think I've seen that before in this game. It was on a door, wasn't it? Yeah, it might be. There's a lot of symbols in this game. Yeah. Like on all the, the mirror doors, there's that one sort of cross-shaped symbol. Yeah. Which is cool because the very first scene of the game, when you're walking into the hospital, the statue right in the middle when all the cars are, like, abandoned around it is that – that's the statue. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know. That just... And then there's all those little ones that you see outside of your – outside of your room – I don't yeah. really remember. It's like a, it's like a smaller cross with like a, an X at the top or something. Yeah. I don't know. So, uh, they fall through, fall down. We jumped down with them trying to get to them. Uh, they, they've went way on down and are trying to hold off, um, a bunch of zombie guys, kill all those guys and continue on. And, um, we're walking down this, um, hallway full of blood and bodies. Not for the first time. Yeah. And everybody like Joseph gets pulled under and then, you know, Kidman gets pulled under by hands, pulling them under into the blood. And then of course, it happens to Sebastian. He falls through into the blood and then comes out like he falls down into another area. And this area um, is where we 
decide to take on the Spider Queen woman. She's kind of freaky looking. Imagine the girl from the ring, but if she had like six legs and they were really elongated and walked like a spider. And uh, she doesn't like fire very much. In fact, that's the only way to kill her, I think. Actually, it, that's not the only way to kill her. Because I remember there was a tooltip during the loading screen saying that she can get be killed by conventional weapons, but it's not advised. So, um, she doesn't like fire. So there's a couple of torches you can light her on fire with for a few seconds. But the big ones is you got to lure her into traps. Now there are multiple exploding barrels that will do the job. You can also brightly colored red. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Red barrels, man. Um, and then there's also, uh, two furnaces that you can lead her into and climb out of and then turn on the furnace to burn her. Um, wow, this fight kind of sucked. So she catches you, you're dead. Doesn't matter if you have full health. She's going to kill you. So you have to keep running. And she's fast, just like every other boss in this game. And, um, eventually you burn her, burn her alive. That's fun. And kill her. Go through the door that Blood Goo was blocking. And uh, you come into what looks like a... Almost like an experimental room or something like that. It was weird. Um, the, the the big bathtubs that Joseph was in, there's like three of them here. And we're seeing what looks like a, a vision of the the hooded guy walking up to one of the 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 bathtubs with another person inside of it who looks a lot like Leslie. Yeah. And um, he's talking about how he's been searching all his life and he's finally found somebody who is quote unquote compatible. Um, and then the vision ends and you're back in the same room, but those there's the three bathtubs are filled with zombie dudes um, and they get up and start coming after you. I like the one other evolution of that vision that he had, which was like the giant brain stem with wrapped in barbed wire. Yeah, which is basically like the the cover of uh, yeah, of the the game. It was uh, weird because we only had that vision for like two seconds, and it had no bearing on the rest of the way that the scene plays out. Yeah. Well, he looked up, he he was looking up because it was like the bath, the bathtubs are connected to this kind of like housing area and the housing area is what turns into the brain stem and then the brain when he looks up. Um, but the interesting thing is, is that these, the zombie guys that get up out of the bathtub whenever you come back to reality, quote unquote reality, um, they, they have these, <laughs> they have, they're like, they're hooked up to the housing unit. So when you when you kill them, you come up to them, and instead of lighting them on fire, you actually unplug them from the housing unit, and um, it kind of shuts it down. I guess I don't know. Yeah, what, I don't what, know. I, I, yeah. vibe out of this. What, yeah, what what happened, Matt? You tell me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. That that's the end of it. 
Yeah, that's the end of the chapter when you do that. Um, and that's the end of chapter five. That's where we're stopping. Uh, in fact, me and Matt just, we, we finished that about an hour ago, right before we recorded. So it, at least that was fresh in my mind. Yeah, that, that was a long chapter. Damn. Felt like a long chapter. Chapter five was, was twice as long as any other chapter. See, it's tough for me though, because my chapter times are getting very bloated from dying so much. Yeah. Like this, this is not an easy game, which is to me like that—that's the evolution from Resident Evil Four. Like Resident Evil Four is not a very hard game. Yeah, none of the Resident Evils lately have been hard games. But this game, this game is brutal. Yeah, this game, this game don't fuck around, man. And it's not even so much categorically hard as it is just unforgiving. Yeah, like you just turn the wrong way and you turn into a zombie, there you're dead. Start over. Yeah, like even the, the the regular enemies in this game can kill you relatively easy. Um, it seems like I've went this entire game with like half health. I've never been full health unless I upgraded my health. Yep. Um, this game, yeah, this game's definitely not easy. So I've actually played almost eight hours to get through these five chapters. Really. I think I'm about four hours, 20 minutes, something like that. Well, my in-game time only says four hours and 20 minutes. But that's because it's not, you know, when I reset, it's not tracking all that time. That's true. Hmm. I don't know. I don't think I put eight hours into it, but I don't know. We'll see. Um... So what do you think of it so far, Matt? It's a little tough. So my first impression was that I, you know, I'm like, oh, this is going to be pretty cool. I I like the fact that it expanded out of just the insane asylum. You know, we're inside, we're outside, you know, now there's cabins and it feels a little bit like Resident Evil 4. I'm like, oh, they're changing it up. I like it. Yeah. Then by the time we get to chapter three, I'm like, oh, fuck this game. It's way too hard. Everybody's killing me. hate it. Um, and then, you know, I, I sort of like how they're, every chapter is not just a new setting, but it has sort of a different feel. Like you're like chapter four is where you really start to get the psychological stuff. And chapter five, they start to play around with the, with the mirror, the mirrors. Yeah. And, and to me, you know, now that I've played through five chapters, I, I kind of hated ch- chapter three as I started it. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm looking back on it, I really like Chapter Three because it was so much more relatively more open. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was basically like, here's the village, you do whatever you want. You know? And it's a hard game, so maybe that's where this comparison comes from. But to me, it felt a lot more like the way that I feel when I play Bloodborne or or Dark Souls. Yeah, that's just every corner that I go around, I'm like, fuck. I better, you know, I better be sneaking when I go around this corner so I don't inadvertently alert somebody. I better know exactly which way they're facing so I can try and come up behind them because you can't just go running around like a wild man or you're going to get eaten. Yeah. That's 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 a great comparison. It's is it like including that 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 chapter 3 with that village, it it reminds you of the beginning parts of Bloodborne. Yeah. And there's so many buildings I'm crawling into and I'm like, "Yep." somewhere somebody's going to bust through a window at me or 
pop out of a dark corner at me. I know it's going to happen, and it makes every step tense. Yeah. And and I don't think you really get that feeling even in any of the other chapters so far. It was really chapter three for me, and the rest of them are a lot more linear to some degree. Yeah. So, you know, you can sort of focus ahead of you and – I don't, you know, that that's the reason that I sort of now I'm like oh, I kind of like Chapter Three. Had so much of a different vibe. Um, so I, I, you know, to wrap it up, I don't know. I kind of I've had the whole gamut of emotions as I've been playing this so far. <laughs> uh, I, I'm kind of liking it. You know, it's it's sort of traditional in many ways and has the potential to do some unique things if they follow through on what we've seen. So far? Yeah. And at first I wanted to be like, oh, God, another room where there's fucking blood puddles on the floor and dead bodies hanging from hooks. You know, at some point I kind of want to roll my eyes at that. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, if you're going to give me the traditional setting and not do anything new there, but you're going to use that as like the foundation and then do a lot of other cool psychological things and a lot of other gameplay things outside of that, then I will be far less critical of, you know, the more traditional environments. Yeah. You know, if it's traditional in every way, then it just looks unambitious. If they're giving me that to set me in a horror vibe, and then they're going to play with me in, in who knows what other kind of ways, I, I don't know. I'm really interested to see what they're going to do with this. Yeah, me too. I think um, the issues that I do have with it, and there are a few, and a lot of it has to do with performance. Um, do you have the black bars on? Are you are you playing in letterbox? Yes. Okay. I'm not, and I'm about to go back to letterbox. Um, because even with letterbox, have you experienced some frame rate issues? Um. Yeah, a little. I to me, it's more. Just that the game feels sluggish in general. Yeah. I, I can't think of times when I've had like four or five zombies and, and it's chugged. Like it doesn't feel like it it's being tacked in that way. It just feels in general not to be the most responsive game. Yeah, that's that's part of it too. Um uh with the black bars off, you can significantly see a lot of uh slowdown in some parts. The biggest parts is whenever the lighting comes into effect. Um, yeah. when the lighting comes into effect, holy shit, man, that game stutters. So I'm about to turn the black bars back on because who gives a fuck? It'll play it in letterbox. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I noticed the letterbox for the first five or 10 minutes and then I didn't even notice it the rest of the game so far. Yeah. But, um, there is most certainly some type of frame rate issue in that game. Uh, but like you said, it does feel sluggish. And that, that's one of the things I do want to bring up because there's been multiple times where, I've been ambushed when I look at it and say, I should not have been ambushed there. I should not have gotten hit there. Um, and it's because of how Sebastian moves for some reason. Um, the camera is insanely close to Sebastian when you're running around with the nurse and stuff at that safe point. But even whenever you're not in there, I feel like the camera is just a little bit too close to his back. Just a little bit. Um, and I think I just want to back that camera up just a little bit. Um, 
and I mentioned it on the last podcast, but I'll mention it here too. Shadows of the Damned. You had a template and everything. Fucking use it. Now, granted, I will give it Shadows of the Damned is more of an action game than it is a horror survival horror game. And I can understand why he's trying to do that. You can't sneak in Shadows of the Damned. It's basically like you're, you're running and gunning some of the time. Um, but you know, I was just like, it felt a little bit better in that sense. But then it probably wouldn't work in this game because if you're moving too fast, you'll end up just getting killed. Um, I think if you did that, you'd have to be getting a lot of ammo every once in a while. Yeah. Um, and, and you don't do that, you know, for the, I can carry 10 shots of a, a pistol. You know, I can carry Resident Evil where you can have like hundreds. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and, that's the thing is that when you're out of ammo, there's nothing you can do. You can punch, but that thing is useless. Yeah. Um, the, the weapons that you can pick up that the one use weapons. So like there's some enemies will come at you with like a ax or something. You can kill them. You can take the ax and it, it will kill a guy in one hit, but that ax is gone forever. You know, it's kind of like a one use item. But as far as me enjoying it, I actually am. Uh, that, I was I was kind of surprised. I was thinking, eh, this will be an okay game, you know, whatever. Um, while I think the story is okay right now, I fear that it is going to go down that cliched path. And if it does, I'm going to be kind of upset with this game. Me too, uh, because again, like, like, like I said, if you're going to give me cliched settings, do something interesting elsewhere. And if it's cliches all around, then it just seems too one note, too, you know, I don't know, kind of boring. Yeah. Hopefully he's got something up his sleeve. Um, there's there's two ways we can go about it. And this is me speculating. I have no idea. Um, a, Sebastian is insane. This is all happening in his head or semi happening in his head. Or B, and the one I'm kind of leaning toward a little bit is Leslie, the kid, is emanating all this stuff from his mind. This is all happening in his mind, and he's manifesting it in real life. And it's affecting the people that's around him. Um, much like uh, Fear, the series Fear, where the little girl, she was actually, like none of that stuff was actually happening. She was just manifesting it in her head, and it was projecting into the world. Because she was like psychic or whatever. That may be what's going on here. I don't know. It's my guess. But um, yeah, that's about it for us. I'm enjoying what I'm playing. I'm I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. Um, we'll see. There's 15 chapters in this game. If that's the case, this end up being a pretty long game. Yeah, I was expecting maybe eight hours, but I'm looking probably more around 12, 13 for me, at least. So, we'll see. But I do have an email. We got an email. I'll bring that up. Uh, this is from Jamie, and it's regarding last week's show. Our, our um, intermission that we talked about. She says, hey guys, regarding last week's podcast, I have a few things to contribute. Firstly, Skyrim. 
what you have to remember is that I jumped back into gaming with Skyrim. The last game I had played before that, before I started it, was Final Fantasy X or X-2. So it had been a long while. At the time, it was just so big and there was so much to explore that I was hooked. I was also on maternity leave, so I had potentially four hours of baby nap time per day to spend on Skyrim. If I were to play Skyrim today, and I'm finding this with Elder Scrolls and Metal Gear Solid Five, uh, and I'm sure with Fallout 4 soon, I probably wouldn't love it as much since I'm now working again and I don't have four to five hours a day to play. Those games are not meant to start up and play 30 to 40 minutes. I'm going to, I'm going through that with The Witcher 3 right now too. I don't think I've even scratched the surface of that game. The other part I loved about Skyrim is that I could do quest lines simultaneously. I could become part of the Thieves Guild and the Dark Brotherhood, the Companions and the Mages Guild. I wasn't restricted to just one group. I won't go into Fallout because it's just post-apocalyptic Skyrim, but I loved it just as much. Uh, sometimes uh, you do need some variety, though. I love Final Fantasy XIII, hated thirteen too, even though I love open-world games. But when it comes to Uncharted, it's a different kind of story-driven game. I got so frustrated getting stuck in canyons where there was a specific rock I had to climb in order to for the for the log to fall so I could climb across and the vine to snap, etc., etc. Or getting past a puzzle just to have 20 guys flood the canyon and start shooting at me. And I cannot shoot in that game for some reason. To this day, that is the only game I have had to rage quit <laughs> on multiple times out of, well, I had to quit on multiple times out of pure rage. Uh, all of the Metal Gear games have been fairly story driven too up to this one, and I've enjoyed most of them. Anyways, I couldn't, uh, give you many, too many Jamie free podcasts. Uh, P.S. Now I really want to play Warcraft Orcs and Humans. That's because I mentioned that last week. Uh, thank you for that email, Jamie. So she just explained to us why she likes Skyrim so much. Matt, you still uh, you still feel like you want to play Skyrim one day? One day I will. Or <laughs> I will at least give it a, a fair shake. When you retire, I think you might have enough time to play it. Yeah, sadly. So, something to look forward to. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's... Uh, that's it for us. If you'd like to send us an email, uh, it's uh, drew at ztgd.com. Uh, you can talk to us about the evil within or any other thing you'd like to talk about. Um, you can suggest games to us, even though we were pretty much set for a while now. Um, and um, you can follow us all on Twitter. I am at DML Fury. Matt is at REMGS and the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix down. Um, that's about it. I think. Yeah. Thunder in paradise. Thunder in a paradise is live now. Uh, the first two episodes, which is me and my group creating characters, uh, are up on the website. They went live today. You can check those out. Um, as I said before, they are slightly rough because it is just us kind of bullshitting while creating characters. So there's a lot of dead air in it sometimes and 
Uh, I think Alan farts one time and everybody was like, get out of the fucking room. And there, there's a lot of dumb stuff in those. Um, well worth listening to. It's, it's worth listening to just to hear how the players are going to act and how they, how, how, how their personalities and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, we're going to do that. And, uh, hopefully we're going to play our first session sometime soon. It's like pulling teeth trying to get these guys together, but we will hopefully get a, a proper episode out, um, in the upcoming weeks. Uh, but until then we are, um, we're going to be handing out those two episodes. They're long. I mean, they're both two hours each. So got something to listen to. Uh, but yeah, that's it for us. We're, 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 can, we're, we're doing our, uh, Halloween episode with a, a game that has actually made me jump multiple times. So, so kudos to that game. Uh, yeah, actually on that note real quick, I think the hardest I jumped in this game was one of the points when we're walking around the village and there's just a little house. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go walk up to the door. And as you're walking up, the door busts open and this ghost just comes screaming right out the door and then like this evaporates. Really? I didn't see that. As the, it was, yeah, I was just like, all right, it's another normal house. Nothing, nothing weird. Just walking up the steps and all of a sudden the door slams open and she comes screaming out. Huh. And I, I don't know why it was, I wasn't even that close to the door, but it was just so <laughs> unexpected that I, I mean, I don't know that I screamed, but it was, I definitely jumped. This fucking, um, now that, that cadaver that jumped up and, and grabbed me whenever we got the keys out, that made me jump. Yeah, that's um, a good one. The one, uh, the, it, it, it wasn't even like I saw the guy. That was the thing. It was in the village and you go into a, a, a cabin and there's a guy there and I was going to sneak up to him. It's hard to sneak up on guys in this game. Um, and I was going to sneak up to him. He turns around and sees me. And I'm like, ah, fuck. So I'm getting ready to, you know, get into my battle stance to, to beat him. No, he has a fucking gun and starts shooting at me. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> and it scared the shit out of me. I had to jump out of the way and shit. And oh man, that was, that, that was kind of like one of those moments, you know? <laughs> I was like, I didn't realize they carried guns with them. Yeah. This dude had a fucking pistol shooting at me, but uh, there's been some times where I've been jumping. So yeah, this is, it's a pretty good horror game for, for me. I'm, uh, I'm surprised. Uh, so, like, you know, it's more disturbing stuff and stuff like where, oh, this thing's right behind me. I hope it doesn't get me, you know, kind of tense moments, not really, you know, boo, ah, moments. Um, yeah. I didn't experience the ghost thing that you were talking about, which makes me want to go back and, and, and see that because that sounds great. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how this goes, even if the story does get cliched. I, I, I plan on seeing it through because, Eh, why not? You know, <laughs> copy. I'll give him that much. Yeah, I'll give him that much. Any game that he ever makes, I'm probably going to buy. So, um, but yeah, that's it for us. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we're going to be back next week to, uh, do part two of, uh, the evil with them. But until then I am drew and I'm Matt and we're out of here. I hope you guys have a great week and, uh, we will be back next week to, uh, continue, our Halloween spooky time with The Evil Within. <laughs> <laughs>